I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Hope you're having a good one out there. And as always, I want to know what's on your mind as we race into the fastest 60 minutes in radio. Uh, give us a, a buzz on the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line five seven five zero zero again five seven five zero zero Utah Community Credit Union text line. Want to know what's on your mind today? A lot happening in the world uh, that we're going to cover, but most important, what we're going to do is we're actually going to slow it down today. Uh, make sure that we can actually divide the rage from the reason and help you make the news make sense in your world, and hopefully do a few good things as uh, as we go along. Uh, a lot of interesting news happening, obviously, as we storm our way towards Super Tuesday uh, next week. We'll continue to go wall-to-wall in terms of uh, what's happening on the presidential race, uh, particularly on the Democratic side as they try to get to their nominee. Big debate tonight. We'll break that down at 11.35 in terms of what's at stake tonight in the South Carolina debate leading into the South Carolina primary, which will be on Saturday this week. Uh, We'll look at each of the candidates that will be on stage tonight, what they need to do, what they need to accomplish. And then remember, it's a very quick turn. So Saturday, you'll have the vote in South Carolina. And then Tuesday, Super Tuesday, including Utah for the first time. And we'll take a look at what that looks like, what that means uh, to all of us here in the Beehive State as we go along. Uh, The president has been in India uh, on his way back. Interesting conversations happening over there, including one that I want to get to uh, right off the bat today. And that is uh, relating to this little spat between the president and the Supreme Court. Uh, It is sort of an ongoing little uh, battle back and forth in terms of what happens there. And the the issue uh, that came out uh, was in a dissenting opinion yesterday, Justice Sotomayor uh, speaking uh, for those that uh, were on the opposite side of the issue uh, relating to Homeland Secure as uh, Homeland Security ruling. Uh, the dissenting justices were Ginsburg, uh, Justice Breyer, Justice Kagan uh, voted to uh, deny the uh, uh, the application that the administration had made as it related to some of the immigration issues. And the the interesting thing, the the dissent was quite scathing from uh, Justice Sotomayor, uh, saying that uh, this is becoming the new norm, that the government seeks emergency relief from this court, asking it to grant a stay where two lower courts have not. The government insists, even though review in a court of appeals is imminent, that it will suffer irreparable harm if this court does not grant a stay. 
and the court yields. So pretty scathing remarks from Justice Sotomayor uh, saying, hey, this is becoming the pattern that the administration doesn't like what happens in the lower courts. It gets up to the Supreme Court and then they ask for an immediate stay uh, so that their policies can continue forward. Uh, The president, even though he was half a world away over there in India, uh, he chose to respond to uh, Justice Sotomayor and Justice Ginsburg in particular. Here's what he said. I just don't know how they can not recuse themselves or anything having to do with Trump or Trump related. Uh, The right thing to do is that now as a Supreme Court justice is a different standard. But at the same time, I think it's a higher standard in a certain sense. So they'll have to decide what to do. But her statement was so inappropriate when you're a justice of the Supreme Court. And it's almost what she's trying to do is take the people that do feel a different way and get them to vote uh, the way that she would like them to vote. I just thought it was so inappropriate. Okay, so there's the president taking on uh, Justice Sotomayor. And again, regardless of where you fall on some of these issues as it relates to to immigration and people coming into the country, uh, let's set that aside for just a second. Uh, And let's just talk about where we are as it relates to the three branches of government, because to me, that is the issue. What we're hearing from the president and what we're hearing from the court is is really a symptom of a deeper problem. And the problem is this, the, the Supreme Court is clearly becoming more and more political. And the reason, the reason it is becoming more, more and more political is not what you think. It's not because the members of the court want to be more political. It's not because of their political leanings or whether or not they agree with President Trump on anything. The reason the Supreme Court of this country is becoming more political is because Congress continues to fail to do its job. And Congress for decades now has continued to pass over their power to the executive branch. And the executive branch is all too happy to take that and then use it. And that's happened under President Trump. It's happened under President Obama. It happened under President Bush. It happened under President Clinton. Uh, This has been going on for a long time. And part of the reason that Congress does this is because it makes it so they're not accountable for anything. Some of you have heard me use this example before. Congress will pass this law that will say we shall have clean air and everybody cheers because nobody's voting against clean air. And then they say we hereby bequeath all of our power and authority to determine what clean air is, what it isn't, what the penalties are. We give all of that to the executive branch agencies. And nothing happens. But then that executive branch agency Someone in a cubicle in Washington somewhere decides what the rules are. And when it starts to hurt a local business person, they go to their member of Congress and say, hey, this this new regulation is killing my business. And the member of Congress can throw up their hands and say, hey, don't yell at me. I just voted for clean air. If you have a problem, you need to go talk to the executive branch agency who's enforcing. Go talk to the EPA. It's their fault. And then the business person goes to the EPA, makes their case. And guess what? There's nothing you can do. You can't vote them out. You can't throw them out. Uh, They're there. And so, again, how does this relate to the Supreme Court? When the executive branch takes the authority, which they are being given, by the way, by the legislative branch, by Congress, and they act, when presidents act that way, the result always ends up in court. And then it starts working its way through the legal system, and ultimately it may end up at the Supreme Court. But that, my friends, is the problem. That's the problem. 
if Congress continues to abdicate its authority to the executive branch, the executive branch of either political party is going to take it and they're going to use it. And when they use it, citizens will complain and they will file lawsuits. And that's why the court continues to become more political. So if we want the court to be less political, Congress has to do its job. And that's uh, that's the ultimate test for all of this. All right, so that's one thing to think about today. So you're going to hear a lot between the president and Justice Sotomayor and, and Justice Ginsburg and who's more political and who should be able to do what. Uh, just know it's a bigger problem, but the real problem lies in Congress abdicating its authority and power to the executive branch that will always use it. And then when they use it, citizens will complain and file lawsuits. And we have this continuous uh, ongoing merry-go-round uh, that doesn't move the country forward in a positive way. Now, there's been a lot of uh, chatter over the weekend uh, about Bernie Sanders and many of his comments uh, relating uh, to uh, Fidel Castro. Uh, I'm going to skip the uh, clip from uh, from Bernie, uh, but I want I want you to hear uh, one thing. Well, actually, let's let's do let's play the let's play the Bernie cut real quick. We're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. But, you know, you got, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it? There's a lot of dissidents imprisoned in, in Cuba. That's right. And we condemn that. Unlike Donald Trump, let's be clear. You wanna, I do not think that Kim Jong-un is a good friend. I don't trade love letters with a murdering dictator. Vladimir Putin... Not a great friend of mine. Okay. Uh, there, there's so many levels of dissonance in, in that conversation there uh, in terms of, I don't know if we can determine which dictators are good dictators and which dictators are bad dictators or which uh, public policy pieces uh, are going right and which are going wrong for those. We're going to break this down a little bit further because I, I also happen to think that Bernie Sanders is a symptom of something different in the country. And we'll talk about that when we get to 1135 and we start breaking down uh, what will take place tonight uh, in the debate for the Democrats. Uh, a lot to discuss there, a lot to look at in terms of what's going on in the country and what is resonating, what is allowing both President Trump to say positive things about Vladimir Putin or Kim Jong-un uh, that also allow Bernie, without consequence, to, to talk about Fidel Castro and others. Uh, it's an interesting thing that's going on in the country. We'll break it down and talk about why a little later on in the program. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, a really important question. Two special guests coming live into the studio. We're going to talk about a better way, a better way to change behavior, elevate people, and get them back as functioning members of society. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.